Welcome to Midlife Calling with Nikki and Nicole. We are entrepreneurs. We are direct, candid, funny women navigating midlife. Excited to talk about our journey with you and to bring you along with us as we dive into all kinds of topics and all kinds of conversations. Today on this episode, we are talking about always on the move and how we got here. Because what we end up seeing in ourselves and in a lot of people in our lives is this always on the move, hustle, bustle mentality. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So we're gonna dive into that topic today. Before we begin, we wanna let you know that we share our insights and experiences on midlife calling as entrepreneurs, certified health coaches, former school administrators, and curious humans. We are not medical professionals. Please consult your doctor, your therapist, your OBGYN, or another member of your medical team to determine the path that is best for you for your physical and mental health. So today, in order to figure out why we're always on the move and how we got to the place that we're in, we have to really rewind a little bit and go back. Some of it comes from those early messages in our lives around money. And you might be wondering, what in the world is a money message? So we're going to answer that for you right now. Nikki, when you think back to being little, what were some of the messages around money that you took in? Oh my goodness. I can think of so many, Nicole. I would probably say one right off the bat, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, is hard work pays off, right? Totally. (laughs) Hard work pays off, right? It's defined by what we do. I would definitely say probably another really big one for me is that we've heard this one, right? Money can't buy happiness. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think we've heard those and we see them in different ways. For me, I think two that really jump out is one is around time is money. I can't remember how many different ways I heard that when I was younger, Mm -hmm. like time is money. This whole idea that there's a price tag associated to minutes, hours, and days. And I think the other one for me was money doesn't grow on trees. And I remember being little, like kind of standing around going, like, is that real? What is this? And not really understanding the concept. I remember hearing it and not really getting what it meant. So just out of those four, you know, which one maybe had 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 the biggest impact on you, Nikki, in terms of hearing that, which one did you hear more of? And how did you interpret that? What did you take it to mean? Oh, yeah. You know, I really do think it's the hard work pays off because really it feels like that I am defined by by what I do with that hard work. And we when we have hard work, we think immediately that we're going to be paid off, at least we hope, some kind of monetary benefit. And when we have this monetary benefit, then we're perceived as being successful. And so it just becomes this cycle of just throwing yourself, shifting here and there, moving, going hardcore, playing full out 
And, you know, I saw that in my family of complete exhaustion, right? When you just feel like there's nothing left. And so that hard work's going to pay off because you're going to take it like to the very limit of exhaustion. And that's what I saw in my family, quite honestly. I can definitely hear that and relate to that as well about, I mean, the message of you must work hard. And if you do, then it's almost like there's an equation, right? Hard work means that there's some level of success. And I think for me, it's it's almost hard to choose one because the idea of money not going, growing on trees and time is money are kind of interwoven in my mind. And yet at the same time, time is money is one of those that jumps out to me and feeling like if you are wasting time, which can mean if you are resting, if you are playing, <laughs> if you're ah. sleeping in, if you're mm-hmm. just in couch potato land, mm-hmm. that, that there's a cost to it. And I think some of that also comes from this whole idea of success means that there is wealth. And if time is money, if you are wasting time, however you define that, that it comes at a price. Mm. And so, yeah, just really interesting things about what's important, right? <laughs> I can start totally. work and money and, and having enough were some early things. And I just, I remember them from movies and TV shows and, you know, just family conversations and things like that. So when we talk about family, because we both sort of mentioned it, mm. what are... What are some other messages that you got as a young girl around <laughs> like work ethic and yes. working? Yes. Oh my goodness. This is so funny to me. I think back about this and I want I want to chuckle, but at the same time, I want to hit myself like in the forehead. It, you know, I had a great aunt and she was kind of, you know, like raise me. Because my mom was a single parent and had three jobs. And that's something I can talk about later. But, you know, she's back in the early, like, 1900s. You know, she's been dead for some years now. But she had that old mentality, you know, work sun up, work to the sun down. And she was a busy bee at, at everything. I mean, her work ethic was off the chart. She was always in movement, Nicole. I'm not kidding. I don't even think she hardly slept, (laughs) quite honestly, because she didn't take time to chill or read a book or just hang out with friends. It was like she felt like she had to have a sweat on her brow, right? And she would, oh my gosh, Nicole, she used to say this. She And I remember this fondly, but yet I want to laugh is I will sleep or I will rest when I am dead. What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Who says that? I mean, that right there was ingrained into me as a small child, you know, all the way through, you know, elementary, junior high, even high school. I mean, she, she died later, later in life. And, and so those were a, that was a value system that 
oh my gosh, it is so much a part of who I've been in my life. Like I, I feel like I have to go hardcore. Look at me. Look what I am doing. I am not lazy because rest and sleep and self-care and time for yourself. Are you freaking kidding me? You are lazy and selfish. <laughs> so I will, I will pause at that one. I can talk in later and speak about my mom, but that is a really big one is my great aunt. So I can be a very, very hard worker and take it to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I shop in that aisle with you all the time. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a place where you and I, I think know each other really well, even before we met, like there was yeah. a kindred spirit piece, like, she might get it. Uh, yeah, she does. Right. Gosh, I just think about members of my family and like grandparents and hearing stories about like grandparents, siblings of my grandparents and their parents. So great grands. And this whole, and the idea of I'll sleep when I'm dead makes me think about one of my grandmothers very clearly. Like she was just <laughs> at it all the time. And then this idea of you kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps mm -hmm. and you do what needs to be done. And part of picking yourself up by your bootstraps was also in my mind. It meant that it meant that you do it by yourself and you don't really ask for help. Like you are the one who has to, who yes. has to pull up those bootstraps or in my vernacular now, put your big girl pants on and just do it. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, there's an independence there and there's a determination and a feistiness that I love. And on the other hand, part of it is like, oh, those examples of like having to do it by yourself. And that kind of being married with, do you ask for help? Because Ooh. if you ask for help, then are you really independent? And so this whole notion of like sense of self and... When you ask, when you ask for a hand up, when you ask for support, when you, you know, kind of raise that white flag and say, oh, okay, I'm going to say uncle here because holy cow, I just need some help. And does that tie into being able to be self-sufficient and independent? So I danced with a lot of those ideas for a very long time. And for me, I think it showed up in so many examples of life would have been easier and things would have been solved and responded to easier had I been better at asking for help and had I not just been in this place of like if you want it done right you do it by yourself which is another one of those like mm -hmm. oh. mm. yeah not always <laughs> wow I wish I had that wisdom like in my 20s and early 30s like oh. you don't just have to do it yourself oh. you and I can relate so much here oh. and you know to add to everything is that I was telling you about how I had that parent, you know, my mom, my, my mom and dad divorced when I was like six and my mom was a school teacher and she struggled because she wanted us to have the same financial security, you know, and being a teacher and then oh. my dad not being there. So she took on, there was at one point she took on three jobs and I never, I just never, I didn't see her. She went from one job to the other and she even worked late nights, like on a military base teaching and just all these things. And 
that really fed into this idea like it feeds like the scarcity of money. Like I just got to hold on to this because we're going to be in poverty and there's never enough. And it was, it, it, it really, like I'm a big saver, you know, like, I'm, and we need to save, but at the same time, it's like, how much do you need to save that you can't just live a little bit too and enjoy what you have? And then again, it feeds into that, well, I need more and I need to work harder and I need another job or maybe I need two, three, maybe, maybe I need more money. Maybe I need more clients. Maybe I may be my maybes to where it literally can drive us into the ground. And it literally drove my mom into the ground. I mean, it really did. And, and there was a point where I see in my past here, I was starting to become my mother. Because I was a teacher and I was a hardcore workaholic and I just kept wanting to go, go, go until finally, maybe here in the next piece, we'll talk about it, but it created and wreaked havoc over my life. So it's crazy. It is crazy. And I think the the whole idea of scarcity, right? And fear of slowing down because if you slow down then you may have less than another person and that seems to be able to strike that chord in so many of us because I know it did in me like oof if I'm always going if I am always multitasking if I'm always on the move if I'm always in motion if I'm always working on something then that means that I'm successful and what I missed I think the dots that I didn't join very effectively was I wanted to be, I think sometimes I wanted to be busy for the sake of being busy. And I wanted to be in motion for the sake of being in motion. And it wasn't always purposeful or intentional. And an awful lot of times it did not serve me well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it kept me going and it kept me chasing different ideas of like what success was. And especially, you know, as a dean in in a school environment, it was like, this is what leadership looks like, right? You're supposed to be always on the move and juggling all these things. And I was like, yikes. So it puts different ideas of success in front of us, different ideas of what like wealth is, because wealth is not just money. Like wealth is the quality of our life, right? It is, it is not just our bank account. It's, It's the quality of our relationships, the quality of our sleep the quality of our free time, the quality and the version of ourselves and how we show up. Those are all things that make us wealthy, but it's so easy to have those messages be wealthy is bank account and to just chase that and to just chase that as as the gold standard of success and I've made it. But the idea of like scarcity and will I have enough and that being kind of that compulsion that keeps us like running. Yep. So true. I got that. Yeah. Yes. See, again, we can relate to each other so much. And, you know, I was talking to you a little bit about my career in the past as a teacher and a coach. And then I was an assistant principal and I would just go, go, go. And it would be day in and just day out, just trying to seek this level of perfection and just this like self-sabotage look at me and look at how hard I'm working and it you know I love 
love what you just said about our definition of success in life because all the messages around us are telling telling us we you know we need to make a lot of money we need to be respected we need to work hard and have these jobs and all these possessions and all these things and you know i look back again nicole and i and i think about this and my mom didn't have any friends I never saw her just go out with a girlfriend and have that nurturing like you and I. I mean, you know, we are solid in our friendship and we care so much about it. Yeah. But I didn't see I didn't see those those other areas of luxury that should already be there and like self-care. I mean, my mom didn't think of herself at all. It was always about everybody else. I I just you know, we could go on and on here, but I love, I love and cannot emphasize enough about how we need to really prioritize and get it straight in our head as what wealth looks like and what are we chasing and what are we doing? What are we trying to prove to ourselves, to others? And then that goes down a whole rabbit hole, right? Of maybe unworthiness and I'm not enough. And on. So what do you think? I mean, are you feeling me here? (laughs) I am with you. And I think this is, it feels like it's really a common or a familiar experience for a lot of women. And at the same time, women don't corner the market on this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we forget about like the messages that you and I absorbed as, as women and some of the really powerful messages that are out there for for men as well about having to be a provider, right? Like talk yeah. about pressure. Oh, you must provide for your family. Well, holy shit. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that can be really daunting. And so these messages are so powerful. And at the same time, until somebody introduced me to this idea of like a money message, none of this stuff really occurred to me. When I was in education and I was like, I need to be... Like, I, I want to be a great leader. I want to have this role. I want to be in this position within this institution. It never occurred to me that if I peeled back some of the layers to like what was, again, kind of feeding that compulsion to just show up and be there in the long days and everything else, it was some of these messages that I had at a really young age from the community that I lived in and and its family and its culture and its TV and it's all those different things. And I don't know that we have the conversation enough around how do you define success? How do you define wealth? Because what's easy is to have that be about things. And it's easy for it to be about the bank account and the house and the car. And do you have the, you know, iPhone 17 that just came out and did you wait in line to get it? And and it can be about the things, but in the quiet moments, what's really important is the quality of the life that we are living. And that's not about stuff. That's about what do we see when we look in the mirror? That's about the people that are in our lives. That's about who we surround ourselves with. That's about how we spend our time. That's about where we see beauty and joy and wonder and how we experience love and happiness and surrender and grace. And we don't talk about that as much because that's harder to talk about. 
you know, and something else I was thinking that just kind of came to me when you were talking is, you know, money and its abundance and hard work and all that. But I think also on a side note, especially women, men that are in like a, a servant type job, you know, then it doesn't even become about money because quite honestly, teachers, we don't make lots of money in that business. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so we want to be successful, but this kind of plays into the whole, I need to give so selfishly in this job and in, in this career that there's nothing left of me. So it may even be not even so much as look at me and look at how much money and look at the long hours as look at my ability to give so much of my gifts and my love and my resources that there's nothing left of Nikki. So, wow, look at you, you know, and and I don't know that we're, we're really using that dialogue to ourselves or even aware that that's what it is, but it, it, it's just being that giver and being so self-sacrificial that there's nothing left. Yeah. So when did you have one of those moments where, where you decided that you needed to thread that needle, right? Where you needed to be in service to others, but you also had to be in service to yourself. Like, how did you... How did you know and how did you start to thread that needle? Because it's a that's a tiny little needle to thread. Oh girl, that's a loaded aha <laughs> big moment question. And you know, yeah. I'm gonna turn 50 in a few months. And as you said earlier, I wish I had this knowledge back in my 20s. Yes. But I started developing health problems, horrible health problems moving into my 40s. In the last, you know, eight, nine years. And these struggles were really, when I look back, all centered around this idea of self-sacrificial go, go, go. All this pressure that I put on myself and from what the expectations of, of when I was brought up and so forth. But I think, sadly, when I found out that I had Crohn's that was many years ago, but my 40s, and then having cancer and having it come back for the third time. And I'm in this stage right now with it. But you know, I see how I didn't take care of myself. And some of us get lucky. Like, I think my mom got lucky. Like, I don't know how she didn't like fall over dead of a heart attack, heart attack or, or something like, yeah. but for me, whether it's just the way that my body is built and the way that I deal with stress and or that I don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a voice. I didn't speak up. I just felt like I was just supposed that was my job. I saw every, I saw the models in my life give. Therefore, that's what I was supposed to do. That's the way I show love. That's where I give myself value. And I think that. Mm-hmm. When all of these health problems started happening, I had to slow down and go, what is going on with me? That I am a mess, just a mess. I don't feel good. And it doesn't take you long to look back and go, oh, geez, you know, I wasn't eating right. 
I wasn't exercising. I wasn't sitting still. I didn't get enough rest. I mean, it goes on and on. I look back and I think those are the things we learn when we're little. You should eat right. You should sleep. You should <laughs> you should do all these things. And here I've went through life blowing it off. And guess what? It catches up to some of us. It will catch up with you. And so now I'm I'm at the place where I'm at a big pause and a big sigh, and I'm going, enough is enough. It's yeah. it is enough. There is a better way. There's an easier way, a lighter way. And I've I've used this word and I don't mean it to sound so mundane, but it's a rewire of the brain and it's mm-hmm. an intentionality and it's this awareness and it's surrounding yourself with thoughtful, loving, good people. I mean, look at our friendship. I mean, the things we learn off each other as women, men, you know, whoever it is that can go on this journey with you can help you through it, that can be like a bright light for you. You know, sometimes we need, not even sometimes, we always need that person or people in our lives that shoot straight with us, that tell us, hey, you're running ragged. Watch, what are you doing? And we need this because we're not always aware of this. So that, that that's it for me. What about for you? Isn't it so amazing where our blind spots live, right? <laughs> it's so amazing yeah. to me. And, yeah. and how we can, how so many of us can see things in other people and it's true in ourselves. And we're just like, that can't possibly be true for me. Nope, doesn't apply. <laughs> and then you sit there and you think, really? Like, really? And you just keep <laughs> asking yourself that simple question. Really? Are you sure? Really? Yeah. Um, I think it... It happened in different sprinkles for me. I have, I have this vivid memory when I was in a dean position um, at a at a boarding school and loved, just loved the location, loved the role, and at the same time, like the sparkle and the joy was fading a little bit. Like there was a dimmer switch and it was dimming a little bit. And and I remember some colleagues coming back from vacation and talking about their vacation. And on the one hand. I was so excited for them because it sounded so amazing. And I made that mental note of like, ooh, I really want to do that. And then at the same time, there was this piece in me that just felt a little bit bitter and resentful. Like they just went away on vacation. And I had this moment of, you could have done that too. Like you've got the vacation time. You just haven't used it. And so some of it, like some of them were messages like that, like, huh, like when I would be irritated or when I would feel some jealousy or even some bitterness, like, oh, wow, well, how nice for them. And then I'd kind of stop and think, what just stopped you from doing that? Like nothing, like you just stopped you from doing that. And starting to pick up on some of that was really powerful for me at different schools, kind of sitting around the leadership table and watching folks who had been at the institution longer than I had and seeing and admiring their commitment. And at the same time, seeing how exhausted they were and wondering, is that what leadership looks like? And realizing at different times, like, hmm, okay, I'm seeing in them things that seem really clear to me, like, woof, 
don't know that that's what I want to emulate. And yet there were parts of me that were doing it. And I was like, oh, so I had to figure out, I had to start to find some of my blind spots. And I was really lucky to have some trusted friends around me where we could talk about it. It wasn't really around the leadership table, but, but, it, was, but it was with friends and just kind of sitting here saying, wow, like, this is how I'm feeling. What is that about? And somebody else saying, yeah, like last week, you seemed a little bit off. What's going on? And being able to have some of those people who can, who can and do tell you the truth and those people who can and do say what needs to be said It might not be what we want to hear in the moment, but the words are so powerful because once they're spoken, you're like, oh yeah, I need to take a look. I think another piece for me was I started to really lose my patience with myself. And I was watching, I was watching me in this push and pull of, I love this role. I love this institution. I love the work that I'm doing. Like teenagers crack me up, which is why I worked with them for over 20 years. And at the same time, I wasn't as happy and I didn't really love the person that I was becoming because I was crabby with myself. And I'm sure crabby with other people, maybe not in the same way that I was crabby with myself. And I was like, ugh, yuck. Like, Nicole. (laughs) You're on this path to being a person that you don't want to hang out with. So it's time to figure this out. And I did. And I'm grateful for that. And at the same time, I'm still learning. I mean, I'm not in education anymore, but I'm still learning a lot about those habits and those patterns and the power of all of those messages. Absolutely. We're so much on the same page there. And I think accountability in each other is great. And I think. A big piece for me too, one one la- you know, kind of just inserting here a little bit, is now that I'm slowing down more and there's it's I'm being still and quiet and whether whatever I'm doing, which I, I'm ten, you know, I go, I do meditation or walks or or whatever the many things I can tell you that I do to slow myself down. It, it is in those moments when I'm doing those things that I recharge and that I'm able to have more of an awareness because when I'm speeding through life, I'm not aware of myself. I'm not really aware of even others as much, you know, it just all becomes about the tasks and the things that I need to do and the things that I need to get done. And then, you know, then I end up missing out on smelling the roses on the most important things in life. And I'm just like you, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm not there. I haven't arrived. I have good days. I have bad days. And there's days that you'll tell me and we'll tell each other, what are you doing? We've just talked about this. Ah, and then, and then we're right back on the same page together going, yeah, why am I doing this? And then, you know, you have to put one foot in front of the other and, and start over and laugh at yourself and and move forward. I think that's one of the things that I that I so enjoy about the friendship that we have is that we are on any given day at any given moment like the truth teller and the mm-hmm. person who just says, "How's that working?" <laughs> and we sort of look yes. at each other and go, "Yeah, fine." And then we pause and we're like, "Yeah, okay, maybe not." <laughs> and that's an important part of, of anyone's journey. You know, do you have someone in your life somewhere, virtually, in person, whatever it is? Do you have someone in your life that can help be that truth teller, that can hold up that mirror to say, 
How's that working? How are you feeling? That has been such a gift for me at different points in my life. And I now have a growing community of people who do that. And it's what I need because it uncovers those blind spots. It brings those blind spots into the light so I can pay attention. And that's what fuels me. And that's what keeps me going and keeps me moving forward and gets me excited every single day to be like, okay, what is going to unfold today? (laughs) So I find myself grateful for the journey that I'm on. I find myself really excited that I no longer function at the pace that I did before, Mm -hmm. that I no longer find it necessary to be always on the move. And some of that has also come from doing a lot of the work. So the things that I used to avoid which means I was always on the move because I didn't want to pay attention to them. I have figured some of those things out. So I don't feel the need as often to be always in motion. I love it. And so with all that being said, what are the other ways that you connect? Is there there a, a community is there a place that that you have that we can bring other people in? Like, you know, because we have each other, right? But absolutely. There are a couple different ways. I would love for people to listen to this conversation and to write some comments and to engage in this conversation with us because you and I are not the only people who are figuring this out and who have wisdom. So there's an always an open invitation for anybody to chime in on our podcasts and on our episodes. I also have I have a meeting and a gathering and a circle that meets every single month for women who are 40 plus or find themselves in this journey of perimenopause and menopause and who am I and how do I fit and what in the world is happening to me. And that's called Women's Wisdom Circle. And you can find that information on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. It's the second Sunday of every month. Nikki, what about you? How can people kind of connect with you? That is beautiful. And I've been a part of that group and I love it, by the way. So you can look me up also on Facebook. I have a group specifically, it's called Becoming Fit and Fabulous After 40. And it is a community of women that is continually growing women that want support and community, a place where we inspire each other. We, you know, I I do, I try to put out all these posts for inspiration and on our health and being a health coach and a nutritionist, et cetera, and personal trainer. I really try to give reminders and just give up-to-date knowledge of how we can live lives that are healthier. And I cover many different topics and I just, I'm really enjoying this, this group. And I'm constantly on the lookout for more and more women that it's a free private group. And so find me on on Facebook. I, I really enjoy it. I feel like the women in the group, we are really growing as a community. I love that. And it's, It's about growing together. We can certainly be on our own growth process on our own and do it solo. Time and a place for that. But when we are growing together and in community with others, it certainly seems a little bit easier. So thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of Midlife Calling, where we were diving into and getting down in the dirt with 
some of the ways that we are always on the move, how we got here, and also how we are walking through it and creating a chapter in our life where we're moving, but maybe not at the same fast clip. Thanks for joining us. Join our conversation, subscribe to the different channels where you found this podcast, and we will see you soon. Take care.